Hey everyone, you're listening to Is, Is It, it that, that Deep though? though? Hi everybody, I'm Joy. I live in Austin. I'm a best friend. I'm a pet owner. I'm uh, almost 30. If I ever get uh, brought up on tweets on oh anything, I have honestly, if somebody said this you or but look what you said here, I would probably say, oh yeah, that was me. I was wrong. <laughs> Why doesn't anybody just say that? Huh? What? I have not heard the word simple plan in like 11 years, I'm sure. Yo, they were lit. And I'm Cynthia. I am a PhD candidate in clinical psychology and I'm in my last year. I'll just say one thing. I remember in 2018, I tweeted, the baby deserves to be tall. I had to go and delete that tweet because I cannot have that tied to my legacy that I was on the wrong side of history. If you like shake a bottle of Coke, and then you untwist it and it explodes, right? Everything will come out, but it's going to dissipate eventually. It's not gonna to continue to explode like that for the rest of time. Emotions are like that too. So you should feel them and then just kind of let them pass through you. I don't even know, can I even say it? It's like, yeah, you know, I got her something. <laughs> hey everybody, you're listening to episode four of Is It That Deep Though? I'm Joy. And I'm Cynthia. Wow, four episodes. I just feel like I'm in such good spirits. Me too. I'm really excited. And four is like a really solid, like established number of episodes. So it's a Beyonce number. This is it our Beyonce. This is our Beyonce episode, everybody. It is our Beyonce episode. Yeah. Her birthday is the fourth. She had the album for. Mm-hmm. Oh my. What if we, it'd be great if we were recording this five days ago and then we could be like Beyonce's birthday, Beyonce's number, her album number. I personally don't really like the number four. I like the number three, but that's really, you know, I'm impartial. I love the number 13 though. Really? Yes. The unluckiest number of all numbers. It's lucky for me. What? So do you have a a testimony on the number that you want to like, like what has it done in your life? A hundred percent. So I was born on the 13th of April. Okay. So that's very lucky because I entered the earth on that day and anything that happens in like intervals of 13, which is a very strange interval. Yeah. Um, but it always like works out for me. Like if I'm like 13th in line for something, or if I happen to do something that falls on the 13th of a month, it always works out. So 13 has been a very great number for me. Personally. That's real. Okay, cool. I fuck with that. I accept that and receive it. Yes. How is your week? It's been pretty chill. Yeah, pretty chill week. Um, last weekend I went and visited my family, which was nice. I spent time with my mom and my brother and sister. <laughs> family ties. Um, that was really good. I also spent more time just like focusing on myself and like taking care of myself and chilling. If y'all don't know, self-care is very important to me. What um, do you do for self-care? What is your self-care? Ooh, so many things. So uh, definitely working out, that's mm-hmm. self-care, um, organizing like my kitchen and reorganizing my kitchen. Ooh, the biggest thing, honestly, in a former life, I would have been the best laundry woman in the world. I know <laughs> that sounds very, I literally go into the lab and wash my clothes like I can take stains out of anything. I have stain removers. I have a process. I wash my washing machine. I take it very seriously. So I do that. What is the kid uh, it, from the chocolate factory? Willy oh, Wonka's- the, the blueberry girl? No, the, the boy, the main character, Charlie. Oh, Charlie. It's, he doesn't have a last name. Oh, I don't know. Poverty. You would have been his mama. <laughs> <laughs> And then my four grip and four parents sleeping in that one bed. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. I love though that everything you said is like stuff that typically gives other people anxiety. <laughs> You're like working out, doing chores, getting things ready for the week. That's my self-care. That's amazing though. I envy people who have that, who are like things that other people that we all need to do, I actually enjoy doing. So I get my stuff done. Whereas the rest of us, if you ask me what my self-care is, I'm like eating cheese, (laughs) (laughs) going to bed early. (laughs) That's real. I mean, you got me on that one because I need to work on that. But see, sometimes I feel like that's the, the, when I hear people who are like, I typically go to bed around like midnight or 1 a.m. I'm like, you sound very normal and like, interesting I am not that interesting when I'm alone so I literally be like sitting and staring at the wall and then I'm like I'll go to bed now 
I'm like a sim who has no, my just, person who's in control and just clocks out at seven. And I'm like, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to bed. Like I guess like, like my week. I had I feel like this was a good week, and I I don't know if that's because today was like a good day. You guys don't realize that like living without a car for some people might feel like liberating or like whatever because cars are expensive. They do ruin the ozone layer you know it's awful for the environment but like I lost so much autonomy when I Mm -hmm. could not drive myself like I couldn't go to the green belt I couldn't go to the movies on a whim I couldn't take myself out to eat I couldn't go to the gym in the mornings Mm -hmm. anymore like I've lost a lot of the things that I did as self-care those are my real self-care things mm-hmm. like other than going to bed early and eating cheese. <laughs> I actually <laughs> would like randomly go to the movies on the weekend or take myself out to a nice restaurant, like things like that, that really lifted my spirits. I have not been able to do in almost two months. So oh. we're not, we're not done yet, but we're close. And otherwise I feel like the week has been okay. Like just watching some interesting movies. I'm trying to get back into movies. Okay. I watched Watchmen. Ever since I got into the John Wick series, I'm always looking for a new like rated R action film to get into. So if anybody has any suggestions, please send them my way. I just love action sequences. I love the whole shit that comes with rated R. Like it makes me feel a little dangerous. Like I'm living on the edge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like not gore, but like, oh, he's bleeding. (laughs) (laughs) A slight blood. (laughs) Okay, so let's go ahead and get into our topics. Okay, so one of the things that I want to talk about, I have a question for you, and I hope yes. you've thought of this, Cynthia. I have, I have. Yes. If you had, if you had the choice, mm-hmm. would you take five hundred thousand dollars or dinner with Jay Z? You know that is the hardest question I've ever encountered in my life. You really had to think about it this whole week. Like this whole week, I really just like. <laughs> buried my head down and thought about it because it's not an easy choice. I see pros and cons in both, you know, (laughs) money or getting to know Jay-Z. And the thing is like, honestly, of course, why would I pick the one with Jay-Z? I'm taking the money. But the fact that that question was posed on Twitter and people were really like, you know, if you sat down with Jay-Z, you get the blueprint for how he get his success. (laughs) So I'm gonna take the dinner. It's like, are you stupid? Are you dumb? Are you, Remy Ma voice, are you dumb? Are you dumb? Like I, and see, I feel like this question came up a few years ago, but it was like $50,000. Yeah, for some reason, they've, they increase it. They increase it by 10 times each every year. Yeah. Next year, it's going to be $5 million. And fools will still pick the Jay-Z one. Uh, every time I see some man say, you don't get it. Jay-Z, he, he'll be able to unlock all this knowledge and give you, I'm like, you think Jay-Z, the billionaire, wants to help you become mm-hmm. a billionaire? Like, you think he wants, why really? doesn't he have any kind of program to do such? Why is there no mentorship program, no seminars, no book? Right. I think the most, the, the most advice you're ever going to get out of Jay-Z is from four. What is it? Right. Four by four? 444. Oh, 444, right? Four by four. <laughs> Relay race. The Wendy's four for four. <laughs> That's, and all he said was invest in buildings and paintings and don't hold up money phones to your ear because that's whack and like hey don't be like me and cheat on your beautiful wife for like seven years you should probably pay attention to her because then you'll have to explain to your kids later oh yeah I did cheat like he's not interested in this weird idea and they never say anybody other than Jay-Z they're never like would you want to sit down to dinner with Bill Gates would you want to sit down to dinner with Jeff Bezos would you want to sit down who else is like somebody that you consider like smart in business oh Warren Buffett yeah yeah they never say real people. I mean, let me not. I feel like it's almost anti-black to be like real people who know, know. business. Because it's like, why do you think Jay Z doesn't know business? Right. But it's like, why do you think he would share? That's the real that question. with you. <laughs> it makes me cackle at the idea that, like, in my head, I visualize somebody holding open a briefcase with thousand-dollar bills just neatly packed together, like right. so. And then. <laughs> 
Jay-Z in the corner eating steak, just cutting up his steak and chewing all loud with his mouth open. And he pulled me in like an empty seat next to him. Yeah. He's like, nah, I don't want the money. Keep that money. I want to have dinner with Jay-Z. Yeah. A 45 minute at most dinner with Jay-Z. There's a, a I have to send this to you. I can't believe I didn't even send this to you. There's oh. this tweet. Oh, let me see if I can find it. Cause I definitely liked it of like, who's that guy who was famous on Twitter. He like dances around to like Patti LaBelle and Aretha Franklin. Oh, wait, hold on. And his name is like Jay Versace, Jay Versace. Oh, him. Yeah. 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 It is like, um, <laughs> my God, let me just drop it a new DM right now. Oh, wait, let me. Okay. How do, how do I, oh, how does it, okay. I'm like, how does social media work? Send me a DM. Okay. You know he's Nigerian. That little no boy. way. Yeah, he is. Jay Versace is Nigerian. Yeah. I would have never guessed. I wouldn't have either. And I saw it like a year or two ago and I was like, wait, hold on. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the video is Jay Versace and the tweet is Jay-Z enjoying his meal, knowing you turned down 500K, <laughs> assuming he was going to give you the blueprint to his success. And it's Jay Versace just like at brunch. He's like cutting up some sausage links and like, <laughs> like, and like eating some eggs, like cutting up some of his like uh, French toast. And like every blissfully. now and then, blissfully, every now and then he like shudders because the food is so good. And <laughs> he's literally not talking at all. He's just eating. <laughs> I do the same thing. He's like, Jay-Z. Jay-Z, like, please just share with, like, in 1998, when you made your decision, he just ignores you. I mean, the whole dinner, he's just like, oh, and just like eating. And you're like, cricket. cricket. The, somebody was like, if I had dinner with Jay-Z, I would ask him why he cheated on Beyonce. And I'm like, that is, that's the quickest way to end that dinner. And Absolutely. So oh, or what Solange, like, what did he oh, yeah, what happened? in the elevator? Again, the quickest way to end that dinner. And so you didn't get the money and you got nothing you didn't exactly. even get to watch him chew like <laughs> you, you just left okay here's another thing from the internet that was making some noise so apparently Nicki Minaj and Rihanna linked up with their mm. two garbage bags oh, and that too. Shame. the internet half of the people were like oh my gosh does this mean they're working on a collab because I guess we all know they're not really friends so it's like right. this has to be promotion for like an upcoming song probably exactly um, and then the other half was like, if we could just crop out these two men <laughs> from this photo, because Nikki is there with her husband, Rihanna is there with mm-hmm. the guy that she lets sleep in bed mm-hmm. with her at night, because <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I can't call him her boyfriend. I know. I, mm-hmm. I still want to believe that Rihanna is like, he's like my lap dog. He right. comes when I tell him to come. He like goes with me wherever I tell him to go. Um, you know, we just like get high and watch cartoons together and eat snacks. And, you know, every now and then, like mm-hmm. I, I, we sleep together because women it. have needs, but there's no emotional tie. We're not together, but I'm, I'm so nervous. I, I'm, I'm not nervous because I'm not tied to Rihanna. Right. I know nothing about her, you know. She can do whatever she wants, but it makes me so upset because this is the guy Mm -hmm. who said that dark-skinned women cannot wear red lipstick because it doesn't look good on them. This is the guy who said, I don't relate to Black Lives Matter. I'm in Beverly Hills. I'm in Soho. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know that. He's from fucking Harlem. Like, he's he's not born rich. Like, he probably wasn't rich till he was like 23. Right. 25 or something 21 mm-hmm. at he's, most yeah he's only like maybe 30 mm-hmm. right now so like you've only been rich for like a handful of years right. I I'm like I cannot believe that this is somebody that Rihanna would want to be tied to but here we are here we are right no exactly and just seeing the picture together I just assumed that it was like work related or like they had a song which like you know honestly if there was just like a shot with like Rihanna's earlobe in the background and it was like a Nikki selfie or something. I feel like that would have been better. Yeah, because I would have had the same conclusion. Like, oh, that's Rihanna and Nikki in the same picture. Okay, they're working on a song. By her earlobe? (laughs) She's at Rihanna's earlobe. Her earlobe. I'm in the Navy, so. (laughs) I would know. I would know it because I would know. Yeah, exactly. 
Why couldn't but, the photo have just been them in the studio? Just the two of them in the studio. <laughs> how about that? Right. How about you don't try to pretend like, oh, we're hanging out at home and she's met the baby and she, lo- she, I felt like it was low key. She approves of my husband. So now what? Eee. So if Rihanna likes him, what can y'all really say? Ooh. I was like, Rihanna, this is not the time to be in a photo with this guy. Like, we literally just, we broke the story, really. Exactly. Weren't they listening? Of, uh, she and her husband are are getting sued right now Mm -hmm. for, I read something like, uh, recently that, like, somebody who worked for Nikki, like, threatened the woman with a gun. Like, it's bad, girl. And you're, like, hanging out, keying with your, but it's like, hey, the world hates both of our men. Let's link up with right. our man <laughs> and just prove how much we, we're gonna stick beside him i'm gonna stick beside him i'm gonna stick beside him i think the funniest thing is like i saw tweets where they're like and all they they're, all they're missing is beyonce she beyonce just needed to be oh yeah. thank you i was like what beyonce beyonce opened her phone looked at that rolled her eyes and went back to sleep she exactly. was like what what now why am i in it now why am i in it <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> throw the things i didn't even did <laughs> i'm like why do y'all think rihanna doesn't even i don't think beyonce has ever actually been cool with rihanna as far as i'm so. concerned and her and nikki's business partnership because right. i don't know that they were ever friends really mm-hmm. that ended years ago so there is no reason to think that Beyonce Beyonce is at such a high level that she doesn't need to link up with anybody Mm -mm. ever Mm -mm. she she wants to if she wants to she's not friends with these girls like Mm -mm. these these girls are just like other people in the industry Beyonce keeps to herself like she's really just with her family honestly Mm -hmm. oh I just thought and especially with this scandal that Nikki is dealing with it's weird to think that she would be anywhere near Nikki or this guy right ever right even, even just picturing her and jay-z in this photo is like which it don't of these make sense is, it don't make no sense doesn't, like it, which of these gonna, does not belong mm-hmm. like <laughs> i was gonna say that's exactly what i would have thought because it they, they wouldn't be them i mean okay uh how about who's somebody uh, who's somebody in a relationship i would say i would see more of like a um Cardi being offset in the photo. Mm. Oh, see, I forgot that Cardi being and uh, Nikki oh, don't Nikki, like each other. Don't like each other. See, that's who. You know, I feel like they're the same person. Yeah, you know, they are the same woman. Like they, like Cardi B will turn into Nikki, like as she gets older. You think? I feel like they're both the same. They're from mm. New York. They're not that. They're kind of far. They're about maybe seven years apart. Yeah, almost. Almost. Cardi's local. She's not Loki. She is our age. She is like 28, 29. I know. You know yeah, she's like 28. I think she's 93. No, she's not 93. Oh, she's, she's not like 92, 90... 91. Oh, okay. 92, 91. So she is like our age. Uh, Nikki is like 35. So yeah. <laughs> they're not exactly the same age, but they're both from New York. They're both rapping. They both wear a lot of gaudy clothing. They're both with trash dudes. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like they could honestly have a good laugh together if Nikki hadn't ruined it by being so, like, uh, insecure about her place in hip-hop. Like, Which was nothing to be insecure about. Like Easily could have been like, screw screw all these rumors and these people trying to pit us against each other. Girl, let's go to lunch. Right. Let's do a song together, girl. I don't care about this. Like, the way that Megan is able to do, Mm -hmm. why couldn't Anyways, that's a story for another day because they say Megan be trying to be friends with too many people. So I don't I heard know. that too. That's why I was just like, mm. which I mean, yeah, that's a whole different story because they maybe need to talk a, about yeah. A, a happy medium. Story. I mean, right. I don't know. Because uh, anyways, let me not I was about let me not get there, into that. Um, right. <laughs> okay. I wanna ask you if you've listened to Certified Lover Boy. So I have not. I've heard clips. Of different songs, but I've heard that way too sexy song like way too many times. See, I haven't heard any of it. Mm. It's so interesting because like there was like all that talk about like okay, certified lover boy, 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 and Donda coming out at the same time. Like there's this debate like oh well I'm pushing back. Weren't you the one telling me that like he tried to push Kanye tried to push back Donda because he didn't want it to drop at the same time. As certified lover boy. It's like something. they were doing like a, a Mexican standoff or something like being mm. like, who's going to shoot off the album first? And then oh, Kanye's yeah. label was like, we own the rights. We're going to drop it because <laughs> we're tired. We're tired of this. And then once Kanye drops, Drake's like, cool, mine's dropping the week after. Mm-hmm. 
Though they say Kanye's numbers have gone up, but Drake's like significantly decreased by the second week. Ooh, really? Yeah, yeah uh, I don't care about any of that, so I can't explain it. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. I don't know. And I haven't heard any of the songs besides that one, which features on that track, right? It sounds what like track? One. The Way Too Sexy song. I literally don't know that song. Okay, I, I, mean, I, I sound like so old. Like, that no, Way no. Too Sexy. You sound more young than me because I'm like, I don't know this shit. Like <laughs> I'm I've done such a good job that my social media doesn't even put this kind of stuff in my face. Ah. Um, I've seen the album cover. It's the point of the album cover just to be like he's knocking up a lot of different women or I guess, which I'm not advocating nor condoning. I it was a cute little emoji moment, I guess. But then when you think about it, it's like, how come? Like for real, really? Broken families all over the world. When I'm trying to find the story here is that R. Kelly has a credit on the album. Um, the song is, I was just doing the research now. The oh. song is called TFU. Um, that song? Yes. Mm. Um, his, uh, the producer of the song, Noah Shabib, AKA 40, 40. is saying like the, the, the sampling or R. Kelly's credit has no significance. No lyrics are present. R. Kelly's voice isn't even present. Then why credit him? But if they wanted to use a sample of somebody named OG Ron C. Talking, and to use that sample, they were forced to license R. Kelly's music as well because an R. Kelly song is heard faintly playing in the background. Dang, is that deep? He said, yeah, I mean, if you're taking a sample of something... If it's somebody talking and there's a song playing in the background and you're going to use that and you can't alienate the background from mm -hmm. the person talking. So yeah, it would make sense that it's like, so we have to clear not only this guy talking with him, we mm -hmm. have to clear the song playing in the background. Wow. And the producer says it doesn't, still it doesn't sit well with him. He's not here to defend Drake's lyrics, but he thought he would clear up that there is no actual R. Kelly present. And it's a bit misleading to call him a co-lyricist. Yeah, I think that we would stand beside that guy or write with him is just incredibly disgusting. So why is then just pick something else, right? I mean, was it by force? Like why? If you if somebody told me, hey, to get to this, you have to give like uh, Woody Allen a, a writer's credit, and he has to get paid. I would be like, no. If you right. tell me, oh, to get to this, you have to give like Lil Boosie or like the baby like a, a writing credit and pay. I'd be like, no. I don't oh. care how significant this sample is like but I, I in my head I'm honestly like if you accept things like that to where it's like this person's name is forever going to be associated with your work and your right. album you didn't mind exactly it didn't bother you that much yeah and now it's just like playing like almost backup because like it is misleading to say like oh he's a co-writer on it you know or he has a credit when it's just like the sampling aspect of it but like you said, they knew that going in and that people on, you know, Genius or Rap Genius or all that stuff are going to analyze every single song and on Red and all that stuff and they're going to find it and then you're going to have to speak for it. And you could have just avoided all of that if you wanted to. Right. But everybody knows that when you sample something, it's not that the, per the people listed as writers didn't actually write on this specific song. It's the song that was sampled they wrote on. So they have to be credited on this song as well. Everybody, it's not, nobody really thought that R. Kelly wrote on this song with Drake and whoever it's that you took something that he worked on and you're like cool we have I mean there's so much legal work and stuff that goes into sampling and things like that and even working with someone on a song which like they said they didn't work with R. Kelly but it's like they're not new to the fact that he needs he's gonna have to be credited and we're gonna have to cut him a check like Right. That's where I'm like, there's no real excuse for that. I, again, I think it just goes back to when it comes down to things like this. If you care, you cared. If you didn't, you didn't. Uh, it frustrates me so. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that makes me like, I don't want to know anything that's going on with anybody mm -hmm. because there are just certain things that are forever going to bother me that other people are just going to be like, eh. like, I didn't listen to Certified Lo Lover Boy because. He was caught texting teenage girls. Okay, let's just say it. Like he yeah. texted the girl 11 from Stranger Things, Millie Bobby mm -hmm. Brown, when she was like 13 or 14. He was texting Billie Eilish when she was 17. He's like low-key grooming these girls. So in four or five years, when they're finally 20 and they're out hanging out with him, going to dinner, don't be surprised because he was mm -hmm. grooming them. And I feel like he's just, there is 
there are certain behaviors from him that everybody ignores or conveniently forgets about when he puts out new music because he's such like a pop culture icon and it's Mm -hmm. like oh we just want to focus on the cute one-liners clearly there are people who do not care about you know all these criticisms and all these things that are coming up they're like oh it's drake like oh he's i saw a tiktok where someone was like i guess they're analyzing a lyric that was like really clever and had a pun one of drake's lyrics from his new album and they're like this man doesn't miss he's a genius and all the people in the comments like he don't miss he don't miss it's like okay well there's (laughs) always gonna be people that just like love him so our topic this week I thought of talking about respectability politics because I I got more tattoos this week. I didn't show you yet, Cynthia. Oh, no. It's so dark in my room. We'll FaceTime you after. (laughs) It's so dark in this room. And with my laptop's um, uh, webcam, you can't see uh, uh, what I look like very much. I'm like a fuzzy haze, (laughs) Cynthia. Um, But I got more tattoos and I was so excited to get them. And it just made me kind of reflect on like, I first got my tattoos last October and I am now probably up really? to like, yeah. And I'm now up to like maybe 10 or 11 total. Many? I did not know. Yeah. It's kind of a lot. And I wanted tattoos ever since I was like a teenager. Like I've always thought they were cool and everything, but I really was kind of nurtured to believe like, you cannot do this. Like they're inappropriate. They make you look unprofessional, especially being a black person. It's like, you look more dangerous people Mm -hmm. won't trust you you won't get hired like you look a certain way and also like not wanting to disappoint my parents even to the point where I'm in college and I'm still like I can't do that granted tattoos are expensive so when I was in college I could not afford this shit in college (laughs) but even if I could have I wouldn't have because I would have been nervous about what my parents would think and like what professors would think and what Mm -hmm. future employers would think And it wasn't until last October when it really kind of looked like we were about to get a second term from a certain orange president Uh, that I was like, I'm finna be out of this country. I'm finna like, uh, (laughs) when this lease is up or maybe I'll like sublet my apartment, I'm about to be out of here. Nothing matters. Like I'm, nothing makes sense. Like at that time in life, it was literally like, I don't know what's going on in America but I feel like I don't need to play by any rules anymore because nobody is making sense. Nobody is following the rules of structure that I was taught. So like, why Mm -hmm. do I have to? So I just started getting tattoos right before my 27th birthday and then just kind of kept going and going and going because they're artwork. They're gorgeous. They're interesting. Like, I feel like it makes me feel unique. And oftentimes when I feel like I can't control what's going on in my life, I'll Mm -hmm. get more because I'm like, I can control this. But I bring all this up to say that us both as like Nigerian American women, like we have been nurtured to believe like even more so than other people. But I mean, respectability politics is really like a black centered issue. Like Mm -hmm. we have to look a certain way and act a certain way to deserve respect. Right. So I want to start off by asking you, like at what point in your life were you aware that you felt you needed to present a certain way to deserve respect? Ooh, very early on. Like high school or even earlier? I think definitely high school. I think high school. And I think like late high school into college because appearing like professional and appear, like appearing presentable was always like a big thing, of course, like in my house, um, which is totally fine. I think like, you know, putting your best foot forward and appearing presentable is very important. I still believe that now. But especially when it came to things like hair and like skin mm-hmm. tone and things like that, I was I I, my house is not colorist by any means, but just making sure that everything was on point all the time because people were going to treat you differently. That started happening in high school. I definitely felt that in college to the point where like, I would never not wear makeup. Like I wore makeup all the time and I would dress up almost all the time because it's like, well, if I don't wear makeup and I dress like, you know, in sweats and I walk out of my dorm, I'm going to look like a slob, even though white girls were able to do that all the time. Yeah. We've talked about that. The the messy bun exactly that works when your hair is naturally straight or close to straight, it looks cute, chic. Mm -hmm. It's a look, but if you have like kinkier hair, Mm -hmm. a bun isn't like a cute, messy bun. It's like, you look bad. You look 
homeless. You look this or that. Like a lot of black women to do a bun will gel their hair back and then slick out some baby hairs or whatever. So it's not ever a messy or, you know, last minute bun. It like takes time Mm -hmm. to do. Exactly. And just that feeling in that, just in the back of my mind, always knowing like before I do anything that involves me leaving my house, I have to prepare. And I have to just like, you know, prepare myself in the instance that I see someone who I know, or I have to make an impression. And to be honest, I still feel that way now, not to the same extent that I did before. Um, But personally, like if I'm leaving the house to like run to the store, I don't like get all dolled up, but I make sure that I look presentable. But like a previous me would have even gone to the gone to the point of like getting all dolled up because I just, you know, don't want to be caught lacking, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think that has to do with respectability politics, knowing that if I'm not on 10 all the time, I'm going to be seen as, you know, we're like things like ghetto and ratchet and stuff like that, which is inherently anti-black. Yeah. And I want to take it to like, what about your personality and your words? Like, were you in high school feeling like? I can't act a certain way or be my real self, or I have to present a certain way to teachers or other students because I don't want to be seen as ghetto or ratchet. Like they're already thinking this of me. I can't give them that. Cause I definitely had that in high school. Like before you can even figure out who you are, you Mm -hmm. already know who you can't be. Like I can't be this. So I need to, with everything I do, combat that negative image that, cause I, I don't know if you went to a majority like white school uh, it was it was mixed yeah it was yeah it was like no I think it was actually pretty mixed oh lucky so yeah interesting. <laughs> when you go to a, like a majority white school you're already like I am already faced with the stereotypes what they think people like me are like so mm-hmm. I can't be like that I gotta talk like them I gotta like dress like them I gotta have the Sperry's I gotta like <laughs> wow <laughs> I want to fit in with these people so that they believe that I am not this negative image because as a kid like you don't know like man fuck what these white people are. you're like mm-hmm. I, no I need to fit in and I need these people to respect me and I need my my teachers to respect me as well and this is what I have to do mm-hmm. exactly and I think like even though like for example like at my school it was pretty mixed I actually think it was like 30 percent of like every race it was pretty oh, evenly wow. distributed. yeah like it, that was it was very interesting but at the same time like the spaces that I found myself in were majority white. Like I took AP classes, I was in debate, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. So those are the spaces that I found myself in. And yeah, like, because of like wanting to be part of the in-group, I definitely found myself like trying to abide by that culture in order to not be seen as the other, which at the time, you're not even really thinking about respectability politics or like what this means in terms of anti-blackness or anything like that you're just trying to fit in and i think that didn't really click for me until college it's about survival yeah it was survival at that time and once we did get to college it's when we took certain classes where we realized certain things i will never forget taking was it race and ethnicity in the media or something Mm -hmm. this class where we learned whoa she like it was like the matrix like I took the red pill or whatever whichever Mm. pill is the crazy pill because she was like (laughs) she's like why do you think that nude pantyhose is this color it's obviously Mm. not nude for everybody why Mm. is this flesh colored crayon this pale off like peach color Mm -hmm. you know that's not everybody's flesh do you realize that like why it has been the default in media and like in in uh consumerism for so long and things like that were what I was like whoa like I never thought about this shit like that it really set us or set me on the course to be like I am right now I want to ask you a question though mm-hmm. um do you feel like today uh respectability politics are still like alive and well like there are it's still very much like you cannot as a black person or you've, you've felt like I can't do certain things or present a certain way because people will judge me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I do think that. I think it depends on the context and the industry. Um, but especially, I think things have changed in terms of appearance. Because before, or not before, this still happens, but I think like, you know, wearing your natural hair to work, like is mm-hmm. not as radical as it was before. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely more acceptable and you know, presenting, like, I guess on the surface, you can do so without fear of 
respectability to politics, but I think demeanor and speaking out and challenging things, I still think that like there are still respectability politics with that. Whereas like if you speak out against something and you're a black woman, there is that concern of as being seen as like, oh, well, you're the angry black woman or you're trying to shake things up or things like that. I still see that happening. So I think like speaking out and like your demeanor and even talking passionately about something can be read as aggressive when it's not mm -hmm. aggressive at, at all. Um, those things still happen for sure. I agree. Definitely. I feel like it's more of the like personality things more mm -hmm. than the visual things. Cause I, I do feel like wearing your hair natural out there are still, I still feel to some extent that it's not fully accepted by everybody, mm -hmm. but I definitely feel like it's way more accepted. I see so much more black women out here with their natural hair doing mm -hmm. their thing. Yeah. Um, and then like me with my tattoos, like I definitely, I live in Austin. So everybody has tattoos, piercings, colored hair. Like I can, I feel very confident in expressing myself visually any way that I want mm -hmm. wearing bralettes as a shirt, like <laughs> doing mm -hmm whatever I want visually with myself, knowing that nobody who I meet, whether, I mean, I already have a job, but like people I work with who see me, friends, people who meet me in public, nobody's going to look at me and think anything about me because I have tattoos or because however I color my hair that month <laughs> or whatever I'm wearing, like I, I feel pretty free in that aspect, but there is still a sense of, if I speak up too much at work, mm -hmm. It's not going to be taken as, oh, she's just assertive and she like just has no okay. issue saying her opinion. It's going to be like this black bitch won't stop talking and mm -hmm. she has to make everything an issue. And I, I definitely still feel like, I mean, I, I don't worry about the whole ghetto ratchet thing. I feel like we've reclaimed that and that's going to be our next point that we go into mm -hmm. we're like now white people want to be ghetto and ratchet. So there's nothing Ugh. wrong with like, I can talk however I want to talk or whatever obviously appropriate for like I'm not going to talk certain ways at work or whatever but mm -hmm. I don't feel like I need to code switch that's one thing I'm really proud of is I don't think I ever catch myself code switching I don't whiten up my voice or blacken up my voice or anything to make anybody feel comfortable I'm talking this way like all the time mm -hmm. do you feel like you ever code switch I think I do um, and I think that's just from being in academia and I'm really trying to unlearn that. I think even just like starting graduate school, I felt intense imposter syndrome because I was very young, straight out of undergrad. I think, yeah, I was the only person in my cohort that came straight through. So I was young, the youngest person, only black person too. So I just felt this need to like, okay, I got to make sure that I don't fuck up. Like I really mm -hmm. need to be up on my game. And like, I read a lot and I like, listen to a lot of other like black women academics and stuff and try to like manner my speech after them, which I even am noticing that I do on this podcast sometimes. It's like, I'm not at a conference. Like I don't need it. Like See, when you do though, I'm like, she's in her bag. <laughs> like She's in her like, like I need to chill. This therapy is bag. APA. But like you, you're, you talk like, you know, like you studied. <laughs> I don't think that's, that doesn't <laughs> seem to be like code switching. Like you're talking about you're just like in your bag. I don't know. <laughs> I guess. Okay. Yeah. 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 I guess so. I was talking I think, like the Dewey Decimal System, I would probably have like a different tone. I don't not know. Not the Dewey Decimal. <laughs> <laughs> <Who is he? laughs> I don't know what that is, by the way. I think they, Honestly, use, they use it to sort books. I, to I sort books, but it, I don't even know. Do they use it anymore? I don't know. But I do notice, um, actually, someone mentioned this to me. I think I was on the phone with my advisor. Um, who's an older white lady. And I was at home, I was at my parents' house and my sister was in the room. And, you know, of course she was calling me during, you know, Christmas break about our project. So I was talking with her, we had a meeting and then I hung up the phone. She was like, why do you talk like that? When you're with your advisor, I was like, oh wait, like what? She's like, you talk different. And that's when it clicked. I was like, oh shit, wow. Mm. I guess I did. And I'm just like, Dang, because that's something that I've always just been just from it's in, an insecurity from childhood sounding the way I sound and having that not be black enough. And I feel like that's kind of translated over into academia, trying to make sure that I sound like I belong here, even though I do, mm. because I'm here and I'm, you know, right. So it's a double and you, whammy. And you know, maybe that's why I don't code switch, because I have never felt like I belonged anywhere. <laughs> I've mm. never uh been white enough for the white kids and I never was black enough for the black kids in my school 
when I was like in elementary school or junior high or whatever. I came, I won't even describe where I came from, but it was one of those, I hate to talk about blurs and Donald Glover, but it was like that kind of situation where like, I talk a certain way and the black kids are like, you talk white. And the white kids are like, you still black. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's a shit show. So as you grow up, it's like, there's no way that I can mold myself. I can only be me, I guess. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is, and I think it also just came with like, I mean, I've never been in academia. I went to school. I went to school. <laughs> I, I did my four, I did my time. Okay. I did my, I did my four years of penance. And <laughs> after that, like, I've never been in any situation where I needed to be smart or sound like I knew what I was talking about outside of like the jobs I've worked, of course, but like never been such stakes where it's like, there's intense reading and like learning behind it. So like, this way that I talk has always been acceptable anywhere I go. Um, so, I, I mean, at times I am a little bit kind of like, I don't know. I was listening back to this podcast as I edited it. And I'm like, do I sound like that? God damn. <laughs> I'm like, I sound like nasally and like, what? I, I sound like that. I need to like go vegan again or something. I don't know. There's something <laughs> wrong with this voice. But <laughs> outside of those own personal like insecurities, I'm not feeling <laughs> like I need to like sound any certain way. Because either, I mean, if you, I, I do feel like, you just got to get to a point where you're like, I do not care what people oh, think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think once you, you're in a situation where like you need cosigns and you need mentorship and you need people to sign off on things for you. So mm-hmm. it makes sense that you're like, I need approval. I need to belong. I need X, Y, Z. I'm like free from those things. So I am free to be like, I don't give a fuck. I like talk however I talk. If you like it, cool. If you don't, like, you do not have to be here. <laughs> we mm-hmm. literally do not have to talk. Like, there's nobody in my life that I have to impress. I'm, like, literally just, I'm I'm just living. Like, just, I'm just here, dog. Like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I hear that, too. And I think, like, I want to be at the place that's a level up from where I am now. Because I get that, like, I'm tired of kissing ass. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm tired of having to do that in order to get to this position, you know, or whatever. And I don't think that's the only way to get to where I need to get to. Because I know people, specifically, like, other Black women who are in academia, who are their genuine, authentic self all day, every day, 365. And they're running things. And it's Mm -hmm. like, they're at a level where it's like, oh, that's just, she's her. Or, you know, and she can do what she needs to do. And it's not like having to like, you know, right. play the respectability politics game. And that's the ultimate, for me, that's the ultimate goal. And I feel like I'm leaning, I'm leaning into that more and I feel more comfortable in doing that. But it's, take, it's taken a lot of unlearning over the years, for sure. And also, how do you know that they weren't like you when they were your age getting That's in? That's true. I'm only seeing the results section. and You're nothing. seeing grown-ass women who've been in their careers for a long time who are like, mm. this is me and I can talk however I want. But like, right. are they also saying, and when I came in and I was surrounded by all these white people, I also talked however I wanted, like did whatever I wanted. Like, probably not. I don't know. Mm. Like, I feel like in certain career paths, it is about the sucking up in like, like belonging and proving that you deserve to be in the room. Like I remember right. being a psych major and literally witnessing people who already knew, like I'm trying to go to grad school, suck up to the teachers after class. Cause they're looking for that recommendation letter. They're looking for that like internship. They're looking for the whole, can I TA your class in a year or two kind of thing? Like that's the thing that I've never had in me. And I always kind of read it at the time as like lack of ambition. And now <laughs> I look at it as like, no, I just don't give a fuck. Like I, I just don't want to do that. I don't want to have to like kiss ass or need people's validation or their cosign. Like, and if that means that like certain paths are not for me, like, I don't know, like I do not have the answers, but like, I just, Mm -hmm. I, I know now like there are certain things I'm not comfortable with and I can't do them. Right. Which is fair. I think that's absolutely fair. And Like, again, I think it's like not trying to force anything. And I think a lot of respectability politics, it's black people, people of color more broadly, but I'm speaking from the black people's perspective because that's what I am. And black people having to (laughs) force, yeah, I mean, force a round peg in a square hole and having to be forced to do that in society in order to have basic things that we need, like jobs and housing and stuff like that. 
And now that there's this like, you know, more awareness about it and people feel more comfortable calling it out as what it is, um, I advocate us to continue to do that. The thing, the, the only thing that sucks is that there have been so many casualties in the process and there will continue to be so in terms of like people not getting opportunities and jobs and being, you know, seen as ratchet or whatever, which we're going to talk about next, but yeah. yeah. Okay. So the next thing I want to talk about, like this, this wave of ratchet and ghetto as an aesthetic, as a popular thing, like the Megan the Stallions, the city girls, the sweeties and the, the long nails, the mm-hmm. like colored weaves and wigs, the like big asses, the, all of it where it's like uh, talking reckless, like being like this whole aesthetic that we spent so much time trying to run away from and being told like, this is wrong. This is why we don't respect y'all. Now it's like center stage and it's the spotlight. And it's like, Ooh, we love this shit. We love when black women present this way, at least as performers Mm -hmm. and white women taking some of those things, the long nails, braiding their hair. Now, now every, now there are white women who wear wigs or like who color their hair certain ways or like white women getting their butts done. Right. Certain things that are now like, I, I want to ask, like, how do you feel like the Black women I've listed have changed the culture? And do you feel like it's for the, the better? Mm. Like, are we all now free because of what they've done for us? We don't have to worry about if we're too ratchet or what if we come off a certain way, because it's like it's popular, isn't it? Yeah, I think the answer to that question depends on your end goal. I think ultimately, I'm so happy for you know, the Megan Stallings, the Saweeties, all these people who are embracing, you know, themselves and that aspect of Black femininity and Black women culture. Um, I think that's great that it's like on this national stage or like, I guess even worldwide stage because it's a global thing now. The thing that's frustrating by it is now it's become commodified and gobbled up and swallowed by white people, specifically white women who now use it as a gimmick in order to get the same monetary or clout or social clout that is you that should be afforded only to the black women that are you that like that's their natural you know thing and then you'll see, like the the daniel Bogol, or whatever her name is um what's her oh uh, you're talking about a little bad baby or bad baby I was about to say, <laughs> yeah bad baby you know and, her go- you said her full government <laughs> yeah i couldn't even figure out the, <laughs> daniel i'm sorry no disrespect or whatever but all the disrespect her well vicky all these people iggy who are using this as clout and benefiting off of it. And that's only one part. And then if you take it a step further, the end goal for, you know, I don't know, the end goal that I see that puts a sour taste in my mouth is like, okay, for every, for the, for the Sweeties and the Megs who are making money and this is their career. um, The end goal is that they made their, they got their bag, they're solid artists, make their money, they've established their legacy and they have wealth, that's great. For everybody else who is now aspiring to look like them, to be able to gain the same amount of like, you know, followers and attention and stuff like that. I don't know if it all, if it 100% serves them the same way that it serves the girls because of the attention that you can get and uh, how that can impact your mental health if you're not careful. Like if you're constantly looking up to like IG baddies and trying to formulate your life around them, that can be painful. That can be harmful for your for your mental health if that's not yeah. who you are as a person. I view these women as just radically different from me, and I have nothing in common with them. Uh, mm-hmm. I think everybody should do whatever they want. So, like, mm-hmm. uh, on one hand, I almost started to think that, like, because they've made being quote unquote ratchet ghetto popular, that it's like, wow we don't have to worry about these negative if you're still worried about Mm. looking that way it's popular so like if you're nowhere near that like don't worry about it because even if white people perceive you to be that way isn't that popular or something uh i don't think that's true (laughs) like now that i say it out loud i'm like no white people in your office or in your school would still be like we don't respect you but we love them you know yeah exactly i i think i look at them though like as their thing is packaged and it's a gimmick yeah like i don't think anything they're doing further is anything for anybody. I think the people who have come up with these concepts and decided that this is the new wave, mm-hmm. this is what the, the female rappers we sign, we want them to look like this and act like this. It's all just like marketing and going off of what's popular. The same way that talking about sex now is like very popular in music for Black women. Uh, it's 
on our end, we're thinking that they write everything and they plan their things, they plan their rollouts, they plan their music videos, and this is who they are. But really, there's like a team, and there's an A and R. Like there's mm-hmm. artist development. There's a an executive producer. There's the like executive of the label there's like a whole plan that comes to fruition before these girls even hear about it Mm -hmm. I don't know how much say any of them have like I'm sure some of them have some creative control some of them maybe not but it's all just a it's it's a plan (laughs) from like at the head of it all is like white people like they're okaying everything or planning it so I kind of just kind of view it as like almost like a trick like you know I was thinking the exact same thing only because it doesn't trickle down to the everyday black girl the like what happens to like for example Meg Thee Stallion because you would think like oh wow that's that's a representative of this like culture and this look and if I look like that just like in my everyday life the privilege that that affords Meg is going to come to me and it won't and that's the I think that's the part that's problematic like that is not going to I mean like you might get like I don't know, followers, likes and stuff like that. But yeah, granted, though, I don't really believe it's like an artist's responsibility to be like, people are going to want to look like me. If you are the kind of person who's like, I need to be, I mean, but that's just human nature to be like, I need to look like this Mm -hmm. (laughs) to be beautiful. I need to look like this to be pretty, to get followers. This is what's popular. This is what I have to do. It's like such a, it's, I go back and forth with it all. Like Mm -hmm. how much responsibility belongs to these artists, but then it's like, there's just people trying to make money. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of people, I don't want to work. If you plucked me off the street and said, hey, we will give you a whole team and we're going to have give you a signing bonus of like five million dollars or whatever. And you just got to like wear these outfits and wrap what we tell you to wrap. I, I mean, I can't say I wouldn't do it. And a lot right. of people would do it. So mm-hmm. it's like they're only human. Them being like our whole gimmick is that we're disrespectful. We talk about how we use men for money. We talk about how we're so hood. Like we have these certain aesthetics that have over time been seen as like low class or whatever but we've turned it into this blinged out glam look that is mm-hmm. now popular like we've kind of taken the power back in a sense but again it's like i look at it like but was this your idea or is it, is it meant to be this deep even are you really taking power back or are right. you just like selling us an image you know i don't know i think that it's like a bit of all of that because at the end of the day, the people who sign, like the record executives and the people that own, you know, Sony Music Group, all that type of stuff, they make the money. They make the money. Like the big money goes to them and it's in their best interest to have, you know, Sweetie have like 18 inch long nails and like, you know, be in a G string and rap on her, on a Tesla or whatever, you know, like it's like things like that because that sells and that will make them money. And like, that's what it, I think that's what it is. And I think it depends. I think it's just like example, for example, like, you know, I don't think white people have to worry about that. I don't think white guys to worry about like, oh, well, because I don't know what's an example because Chet Hanks is doing all that stuff. That's going to reflect poorly on all white men because he's out there speaking fake patois or whatever. He's an outlier. I would look more like a kid rock. Like, a, oh, yeah, see, like the kid rocks are who sway the elections nowadays. So I don't know. Like, uh, okay, maybe he's an outlier too. I don't know. Some basic man, the Timothy Chalamet, whatever. <laughs> like something like that. But it's only, I don't know. But then I don't know. I think at the end of the day, though, entertainment is entertainment. And I think that's the reason why that doesn't reflect on the everyday Black girl in terms of how other people see us in society. Um, because they see, and I think it's because white people do see black people as entertainment, just in general, even the, the black people who they know in, in real life, I think they do see them as some element of, of, yeah. of entertainment, but I mean, that's going. No, low key. I have felt sometimes when I have been friends with white people on and off in my lifetime, that if I was not upbeat mm-hmm. and funny and like a certain way, it's like, I didn't have a spot there or like, Mm -hmm. I didn't belong there. Like I couldn't be a fully formed human being who was quiet sometimes or like emotional sometimes. It's like, my job was to be happy and funny and be like, oh girl, oh girl, ha ha ha, uh -uh," you know, that kind of thing. And yeah, so that, I mean, that shit is real, Mm -hmm. but I I don't know. I, I, I can't help but trail off and be like this, this is an interesting topic and I'm glad we discussed it. Like, yeah. 
yeah. I think when you look at celebrities though, like it literally, what you want is what you'll get. So like, mm-hmm. if you want to look at these women and be like, they're just a gimmick and they're just pawns of capitalism and whatever, then yeah, that's what they are. But if you want to be like, no, they are warriors of feminism who are fighting respectability politics and they are here to save us one twerk at a time. And then it's like, yeah, then that's what they are for you. It's, it's however you need to see it for yourself. Like however you see it is honestly your reality. So it's true. I want to hear your mental health tip, your mental health tip of the week. My mental health tip. Yes. Uh, actually pretty similar to what I just talked about. Um, my mental health tip is to identify cognitive distortions. So very similar to last week's mental health tip with fear structures and anxiety, cognitive distortions are the thoughts that we have that can develop into or come from fear structures, but really fuel like anxiety, depression, Um, even though as far as like trauma symptoms and things like that, and basically what they are, they're called different things through different approaches, but cognitive distortions are just maladaptive ways of thinking, um, that really just make it difficult for us to cope with some of the big emotions that we have, mainly because the thoughts that are generating those big emotions are not helpful for us. So examples are like black and white thinking or thinking that things are either one way or the other. So a thought might be like, well, I'm always going to well, actually that's more all or nothing or like, well, things are going to be this way and that's it. Or things will mm. never be this way. Like kind of living life in extremes. Um, another cognitive distortion is fortune telling or just kind of predicting the future or thinking things are going to happen in the future. Like, well, that's going to happen or it's never going to be like that way. Or like, I just know that, you know, they're never going to get me, you know, pick me for the job. It's like, you don't know that for sure. Cause you can't tell the future. Very oh, similar girl. with mind you're re- reading. You're reading me. <laughs> I'm like, ah, ah. I feel attacked. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, me too. Me too. Cause I I'm literally in like, we got off this. I'll probably tell you my reasoning why I'm feeling this way. I brought it up because it pertains to me personally, where I, another common distortion is mind reading. I'll just assume what someone is thinking based on very, very, very limited information. Yeah. And that is not true because I'm not, well, no, Raven didn't read mine. She saw the future, but like, I can't read minds, right? <laughs> So right. these are so these are all different cognitive distortions. And when you acknowledge that they're happening as they happen, you can kind of, it's more, it's easier to kind of pick them apart and think, okay, what are the facts that support this? Mm-hmm. And what are the facts that don't? And if they're cognitive distortions, more often than not, right. more facts don't support them. So I think for me, I'm like, I'm an empath and I'm good at reading body language and I'm very intuitive. So I know exactly what this person is thinking and I know exactly how they feel about me. And I know exactly what's going on because I am smart and I can read people. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, you actually don't know what's going on with people. You are projecting your own experiences in life onto them and how you think you would react to something is how you're reading them as reacting. Mm -hmm. And that might not be it. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And like, you know, not to like bag on intuition because intuition is real. I definitely say, trust your intuition, trust your gut. because more often than not, it's right. And when it comes to people, you know, a lot of the times your intuition about people is right, you know, so not mm-hmm. to discredit that, but when it gets too far, when you start to have like stomach aches, you know, like you start to really think so much about, well, this isn't going to happen because this is going to happen. Or you start to catastrophize and find yourself in this web of cognitive distortions. That's when it can become, you know, not as helpful for you. I think that's really important. Every week you come with things that I'm like, ah, ah, like I'm, I'm being, I'm, I get, I feel like I'm getting hit right in the chest. Dude, I read myself and th- I literally had a therapy, you know, case where I was doing therapy with this patient and I was like reading myself and cause I was going through something very similar mm. and I'm just like, why, why, why don't I listen to me? Like and as a therapist, as a therapist, you can't tell them like, girl, I'm going through the same thing. Like, it's no. like, no, we, we got to focus on you. You don't get to know anything about me. Right. You can disclose certain things. Sometimes I'll disclose and be like, you know, in my experience, that's been challenging. (laughs) Okay. Okay, girl. That is so vague. (laughs) You're going to be like, I have siblings too. I actually have a brother and I have a a sister and I went to this school. (laughs) Like, no, I say me too, girl moving on. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I have also felt sad, like like something super vague. Okay. I'm going to get to my deep think, my deep think. uh, I think everybody should get a tattoo Mm. and I, let me elaborate. 
I think you need everybody. This is, I guess, a metaphor for me trying to really say everybody needs to find something that they can do for themselves, especially when it's something that you you felt all over, like that you've been told for so long that you couldn't do. Like Mm -hmm. whether it's for you, it might be for me, it might be getting a tattoo for somebody else. It might be learning to play an instrument. For somebody else, it might be like uh, getting their nose pierced. For somebody else, it might be like buying that expensive jacket that you're like, I've always, you know, never spent more than like $30 on a jacket. I'm, I've been told my whole life that like moderation is best and that like, I'm not supposed to spend a lot of money on things. Spend your $150 or your $300 on that jacket. Like just do something for yourself Mm -hmm. is my point. Like do something that might feel risky or like a bad idea like I feel like there are certain ideas that we've been like taught to believe are bad Mm -hmm. and that's why I keep talking about like it's all about your perspective and your experiences and what you believe whatever you believe is true some of the shit you've been taught in life is not true like some of the things your parents have told you is not true certain lessons your parents have taught you you got to unlearn them and learn what works for you Mm -hmm. and you can't do that if you don't take chances and do things that you were told you couldn't do and just do it for yourself it's a very interesting experience like getting my first tattoo I was like wow this is like one of those things that I've now done that I've crossed off my list of things that my parents told me were bad and I did it and I lived to tell the tale Mm. and it's like now I feel like I'm even more alive (laughs) because I've like done these things that I've been told and I won't list uh, any of the other things because I don't tell my business like that. Like, I don't even know my business. Uh, What is that? That means it's like, uh, you in my business. Don't do that. (laughs) Oh, okay. I know exactly what you mean. (laughs) You in my business. Don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, do something for yourself that feels a little scary and uh, that's my deep think of the week I love that I've been super like I mentioned self-care I've been super big on just doing stuff for me because I've definitely lived a life of poverty mindset and being like I don't deserve good things because I'm poor and I'm done with that I'm right. going to get my lashes in tomorrow hey and know? we talked about that shit last I guess week Saturday. the black women luxury thing mm-hmm. you know like I may not subscribe to the whole shit but I do believe in like treat yourself like Mm -hmm. do cute nice things for yourself do expensive things for yourself like because who else is gonna do it like who else who else love like do it do it for Mm -hmm. you thank you guys that is our episode of this week episode four (laughs) we'll see you guys next week bye